0: in 10 12 the hard part for me is i have to turn pages to do this so let's start with hosea 4:1 could you please stand for the reading of god's word hear the word of the lord you israelites because the lord has a charge to bring against you who live in the land There is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. Moving on to 6.3. It says, let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge Him. As surely as the sun rises, He will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains like the spring rains that water the earth. And now chapter 10, verse 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. The word of the Lord. Mm
1: So, part two today of uh, preparing the soil that I began last week. Uh, Julie, um, could you get up here and see all those things you said earlier today because it fit in really well with. Really, had a lot to do with um, the preparation of our own hearts for the work of God in our lives. Uh, and we, God needs to remember the 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 parable of the sower and the seed that Jesus told, and there was certain ground, certain soil where that seed landed and was able to take root and grow and produce the harvest of righteousness. Remember that? Well, seed doesn't do that on fallow ground. It does it on good prepared soil. And that's what Hosea is making reference to here in these verses that Dean read for us this, this morning. Um, and we talked about last week things that harden the soil, alright? Um, things that make it difficult for the seed to land on and take root and grow and produce the way God intended. We said, first of all, there's no truth. And these are things directly from the scripture that, that Hosea makes reference to. There's no truth. And we said one of the that word um, uh, in the Greek and in other, and some other uh, versions of the of the scripture is says there is no faithfulness. Um, I mean, that word means truth or reliability. God sees no saw no truth or reliability in His people. He could not count on them to be faithful followers. We said there is no love. <clears throat> Um, and we see that in the world we live in. We, we use that word a lot. Um, you know, there are foods we love. I love coming to church, and those are good things, but what we're talking about here is something that goes way deeper than that. Um, we're talking about something that's genuine and intimate. And in this case, it talked about there is no intimate relationship with the God of Israel at this point. People are not there. There's no love. And we see that then in the way we treat one another, don't we? Where there's no love for God, then there's... God intends there to be love this way and love this way. It's a, it's a vertical and horizontal relationship. And if we have this love right, then probably this love is going to be right as well. Amen? He said there's no knowledge of God. And, and in some cases, that has to do with the fact that we just don't want any. We want to pretend that He's not out there. Because we don't like what God might say we need to do to adjust to Him. Because that's what He requires. If we're going to have a relationship with God, we have to adjust to Him, not Him to us. Right? I mean, He tells us here, here here's the way you're supposed to live. It's all through the Scripture. So there's no knowledge of God. And by the way, uh, we were at Celebrate Recovery Leadership meeting last night, and we were talking about God loving us. And there were some testimonies about God, people realizing how much God... This, I don't know why this came to my mind right now. And I was thinking, I didn't say anything last night, but I was thinking, I always lean on that. Well, here, let me lean on your side for a change. I was thinking about that. Because the Bible tells us, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. So, God, in our minds, kind of has this obligation to love us, right? Here's a realization I had to come to. God likes me. Now, He doesn't like all the things I do. He doesn't love all the things I do. But God likes me. It took me a long time to understand that. I thought God has an obligation to love me. The Bible tells me that, but God God likes you. Do you get that? God likes you. Man, that made a huge difference in my life. Well, okay, back to um, things. We talked about things that harden the soil. Um, What do we do to prepare the soil? And we're talking about the condition of our own hearts and lives. Alright? We have to be ready for God's... We talk about breakthrough. If we want breakthrough, if we want to see God do something in our lives and in our church body, we need to be prepared for that. He will not just come and do because we want Him to. We have to be ready for the work that He wants to do in us. I think that's one reason we're not seeing revival in America the way we'd like to because... We're not ready for that. You know, we see it happening in places all around the world right now. And we're saying, oh, God, I wish that would happen in America. But we're hard soil, we're fallow ground, and something has to happen to stir that up. And I think God's been trying. I think God's been trying. Go back to September 11th. Hello! Wake up! And you know, we've seen, um, increased natural disaster activity, let's call it, things like that. Wake up! And God's been trying to do things to break that hardened ground up in our lives in America and and uh, it's kind of like we wake up from our sleep for just a moment, and then we go right back to sleep again. You know, it's if you put it on a graph, it's like, blip, boop, right back to the same old thing. You see that happening? You know what uh, causes me concern sometimes is, if this isn't working, if these things have not worked, What will God have to do? Hmm. So, we... But personally, things we we do to prepare the soil. Okay, we already know there's no truth, there's no love, there's no, no knowledge of God. Those are things that harden the soil and make it unproductive. What can we do about that? He says... Hosea says, God speaking through Hosea says in chapter 10, verse 12, So then for yourselves righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground for it is time to seek the Lord. So we must seek to know God. That's the basis here. Seek to know God. In chapter 6, verse 3 that we read this morning, it says, Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge Him. And then back to verse, chapter 10, verse 12, For it is time to seek the Lord. And, what, you know, there's a lot of acknowledgement of God in our culture on a uh, mind level. Oh, I believe there's a God. Isn't there? Don't you hear that? I believe there's a God. And we know God has said to us, Oh, guess what? Satan and the demons believe that. In fact, they believe that so strongly that they tremble in fear when they think about it. Uh, yeah, I believe in a holy God, and and I know that For Satan and his demons, their future is not bright. So, it's not simply a mental assent to his existence. Yes, I believe there is a God, or I believe in God. Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call on Him while He is near let the wicked forsake their ways, the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and He will have mercy on them and to our God, for He will freely pardon. That's what it means to seek God. It's more than this mental ascent. It's seeking Him. It's seeking to know Him. Who is God? What's He about? What's He expect of me? What's His nature and character like? Ephesians 1, 7, 1.17, Paul writes, I keep asking that the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. Know Him. You know, there are a lot of people out there whose names we know, but we don't know them. Right? In our sphere of influence of the world we live in. Um, but there are people that we know. We've spent time with them. We've heard their stories. We've shared our story with them. We understand things about their character. Now, we all are able to put on faces and hide things from people. Uh, by the way, you can't do that from God. So we must know God. We have, we, one on, It's not just know about Him, but we have to develop a personal, intimate relationship with Him. We must know God on a deeper level than just, I believe God exists. So how do we do that? Well, um, as one pastor said one time at a conference I went to, it's not just Shazam, you know me. It takes discipline. It takes time. It takes time in the Word. It takes time in prayer. It takes time in worship. It's about knowing God is also connected with acknowledging God. That's where it begins. You have to acknowledge God in the first place, right? There is God, and I want to know Him. And to acknowledge, even acknowledge God in the world we live in, especially in our culture, is it's not appreciated or encouraged. In fact, sometimes it's discouraged. We do not want you acknowledging God in our culture. I'm talking about the one true God, by the way. You can acknowledge all kinds of gods out there, and that's fine. But if you acknowledge the God... Of Israel, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who exists eternally—that's mm, not always so well received. Probably because He has some expectations of us that kind of run cross grain with the, with the way many in our world want to live. Right? So that's that's what's happening. So how do we acknowledge God? Well, certainly in our personal lives, there's this whole issue of seeking his face through the word and through prayer and through worship. But how do we acknowledge him in the world where we live? Well, how do we live our lives? Do our lives acknowledge God? Does our conversation acknowledge God? We need to be acknowledging God in the way we live our lives, right? Aren't we to be a a people set apart? Aren't we supposed to live differently? The answer is... Thank you for that moment of audience participation. And our conversation, the words that come out of our mouths should be different too. Right? Because what comes out of the mouth reflects what's in the heart, right? So, some things that come out of our mouths can reflect the fact that our hearts are fallow, untilled, unproductive ground. Yuck. Or, it can reflect that our hearts are tilled, productive prepared soil that God is working in, right? So we have to we have to acknowledge we have to acknowledge God. We have to be people who seek righteousness. Hmm. That's kind of an interesting word, don't you know? Um righteousness. What's that mean? Well, it has a lot to do with being right with God. It has a lot to do with living the kind of lives that God has called us to live. And He has said, Be holy because I am holy. Pretty high standard. Acknowledging God. Seeking His face. Seeking to know Him. And if we know God, we, we desire To be like God. And God said, here, let me show you in a a very tangible way what you need to be like. So he sent Jesus. God in the flesh. And basically he said, if you want to be like me, be like Jesus. Right? Yeah. Seek to know God. The second thing Hosea tells us here is we miss... Plant seeds of goodness. Um, in verse 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 12, sow for yourselves righteousness. And so this, this verse begins with the act of sowing. And sowing as we understand it, as we probably know, is to plan to put something into the soil. That's S-O-W sowing, not S-E-W. Stitching sowing, Okay? Or it can be said this way, that sowing is to do something that will eventually bring a particular result. Sowing is to do something that will eventually bring a particular result. The the New International Version says, Sow for yourself. In other words, no one can do it for you. Sow for yourselves righteousness. I can't do it for you. A parent can't do it for you. A spouse cannot do it for you. We must sow for ourselves righteousness. You have to sow righteousness for yourself. You have to determine for yourself that you will be right with God. And there's... Let me tell you that the key word there is obedience. If you want to be right with God, if you want to sow for yourself righteousness, that means you better be obedient to Him or it's not going to happen. In fact, righteousness has everything to do with being able to stand upright before God. And we're right before God. Do you want to be right? I want to be right before God. If there's anybody that you need to be right before, it's God. And it's not really about a stature, a position physically. It describes your character. Righteousness, being upright before God, is a description of your character as being honorable and honest and one of integrity and holiness scripture tells us very plainly that our, by the way our own righteousness is as what filthy rag the best we can do in and of ourselves our goodness God looks at that and says yuck So, to sow for yourselves righteousness means that we have a desire to allow God's Word and Spirit to produce in us righteousness. His righteousness, it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And by the way, it, that comes back again to this word obedience. Obedience. Now, we could say, well, people can be honest and honorable without God's Word and Spirit, but that is self-righteousness, and God doesn't have a pleasurable view of self-righteousness. See, when we rely on ourselves to produce righteousness, we have a tendency then to do what we think and feel is right within ourselves. We don't have this standard. And boy, that is the world we live in, isn't it? We make our own calls. I mean, well, what's right for you is not right for me, and what's right for Jamie, and there's no standard anymore. In fact, we've kind of tossed the idea of absolute truth or absolute standards out the window in many ways. So we kinda of make our own decisions about what's right and what's wrong. And honestly, I have, you know, I've read this book from cover to cover more than once, and I have not seen any place in there where God gives us permission to do that. Proverbs 14, 12, and then two, two chapters later in verse 16, verse 25. So Proverbs 14:12, Proverbs 16:25 say the exact same thing. And they, they tell you, if God says something twice like that, you better have your antennas up. And here's what it says. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Or the end thereof is destruction, is what some other versions tell us. So, it feels good to me. Oh, feels good, it must be right. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death or to destruction. Proverbs 21, verse 2, People may think all their ways are right, but it is the Lord that weighs the heart. So, if you want to know what's right, look to God and He tells you. It's right in here, folks. Take time to find out. And by the way, He has not changed the rules. We live in a world that wants to tell us that God's changed the rules. This is archaic. It might have been okay for people 2,000 years ago. But we're modern. We're smarter. We figured some things out that nobody knew back then, including God. And so, there's kind of new standard. That's not true. God, God is timeless. He knew exactly what would be going on in 2020. And when he said, this is right it was right always and when he said it is this is wrong it was wrong always and we really are in a generation that says evil is good and good is evil because we have a we have this tendency to look on evil and say it is right and acceptable in our own eyes but To righteousness is not based on our view of things, is it? It's based on how God sees things and what God says about those things. That's why we have to look to the Word of God. And if we plant the Word of God in our hearts and live God's Word, we will produce then godly righteousness in our lives. See, the Word of God is the seed of righteousness. In Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. When we desire to live by the Word of God and we, we allow God to multiply His, and increase His righteousness in us as we live according to His Word. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. People reap what they sow. Those who sow to please their sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. Those who sow to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And if you're sowing to please the Spirit, then you're sowing righteousness. And then Hosea tells us, here's, here's the third thing you need to do so that the soil is receptive to the work of God. We must break up ground that is hard and unproductive. Follow ground is ground that has been un- left untilled and become Hard. This ground is is representative of the hearts of people, our hearts. We must break up our fallow ground. In the Old Testament, the word used for fallow was translated in two different ways. The first was virgin or new soil. the The other was soil that had been left untended for a while. That's like soil that was farmed at one time, but nobody's paid attention to that ground for years and years. Have I told you um, a long, long time ago, um, I operated one of those fat, tired machines that puts uh, fertilizer on soil. Okay? Now, most of the time I worked in ground that had been, you know, okay, last year we planted it. This year we're going to plant again. We need you to put some dry material on to enrich the soil so we can go grow the crop. That's the ground I usually worked on, but I remember going into a field one time that had, but not been worked in years. It was hard as a rock. I'm I'm not I'm not kidding. And you know, what I had to do was this was a challenge, you know. The the machine spread fertilizer so far, so you know had to know how how far. I'd drive this way, then I'd move over so far and drive the other way. But if when when ground's hard, when it's fallow, you cannot see your tracks. It's like driving across concrete. You know what I had to do? I'd it's the only time I ever had to do I had to put a drag behind my sheet machine. That's when I took the cable and hooked up a big chunk of iron that would was heavy enough and had enough pokey things on it to disturb the soil so I could tell where in the world I had been the first time I drove through. Some hearts are like that. Hosea tells Israel to break up that that hardened soil, the hardened soil of their hearts. Fallow ground is ground that hasn't been tilled, plowed, dis- cultivated, whatever, for quite some time. It's ground that is hard, it's stubborn, it's resistant to seed. It does very little good to sow seed on fallow ground. It is hard and compact and does not want to accept the seed. And folks, there are some things that need to take root in our lives. And if the soil isn't right, it will not take root. The things that produce in us a harvest of righteousness. We can talk about those things as being the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the kind of things that God wants to take root in our lives. But the soil has to be prepared so that it can take root. So that's, that's why we are told to break up the fallow ground. And it says, sow to yourself or sow for yourselves. You must desire the righteousness of God. Nobody else can do that for you. It also means to take heed for yourself. We have to be honest about examining our own hearts. And if we're willing to do that and willing for God to do that work and break up that fallow ground, and we have, an, we have to invest in that, don't we? If God does that work and we continue to allow God to do that work, then that keeps us from becoming soil that's hardened against the Word and the Spirit of God. We know that there are points in our lives where we are resistant to the voice of the Spirit. And you know one of the scariest verses in the Bible is, the one that says, God will not always contend with us. And I wonder... He doesn't mention it there, but I wonder if sometimes the ground gets so hard that God says, okay, I'm going to go somewhere else where the soul will respond. You know, that, that untended, fallow ground, God's talking about something that has not been dealt with. We can allow things in our hearts, in our lives, that we fail to deal with. Those are things that harden the soul. We've talked about some of those things already. And if we do that, we become hardened, and the seed of righteousness is not able to produce anything in us. And folks, the issues in our lives that harden the soul will not simply go away. They become a hardening agent and cause... An And what happens is we begin to justify those things, those hardening agents in our lives. We justify justify our feelings and our actions. For example, we feel we are right in holding resentment or unforgiveness for wrongs done against us and we hang on to those things and that's a soul-hardening agent, let me tell you. And folks, even... Believers who are not involved in the work of God. Oh, I believe in Jesus, but that's kind of where it ends. We're not, we're not obedient. We're not involved in the work that God's called us to in some way, whatever that may be, for you. And so that is a soil hardening agent. We can become hard and calloused. God wants to use us to reproduce and bring forth a harvest. Right? But he can't do that if our heart is not ready and cultivated for his use. Folks, we break up the fallow ground when we pray for sensitivity to the work of the Holy Spirit regarding things in our lives that God wants to change or remove. Here are some signs of fallow ground. Formality. We go through the motions, but our hearts are not in it. We might be at church every Sunday, but there's no growth in our lives. We've stagnated. we stop changing inside. God's priorities are not necessarily our priorities. Formality. Inconsistency. On Sunday, we're vital and vigorous, but on Monday, you'd have a difficult time telling if we're a believer or not. Fruitlessness. There's little or no evidence of fruit produced in our lives. And again, those things are the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They're just, there's not the evidence of those things in our lives. You know, how would we feel if God treated us the way we treat Him in regard to some of these things? If God gave us the same amount of time and attention that we devote to Him? If God put as many things ahead of us as we put ahead of Him. If God offered as many excuses as we do, and if the excuses were no more justifiable than ours are. If God's promises were no no more certain than ours are to Him. If God withheld His blessing from us as we withhold our offering and ourselves from Him. And that can be the condition of our hearts. And we need to allow our hearts to be broken and turned regularly. We need to allow God to work in our hearts and to cultivate them and keep them fresh and open to Him. When we don't allow our hearts to be worked over regularly, they become hard, unproductive, and useless to the kingdom. That's why revival is so important. That's why... Continual connection with God through the Word and through worship and through, through prayer is so important. If we want renewal, we need to break our hard hearts before the Lord. But listen, God has a guaranteed response when the soil is ready. Woo, that's good news after all this. He says the reins of His righteousness, R-A-I-N-S the rains of his righteousness will fall on us. Chapter 6, verse 3, As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. Again, chapter 10, verse 12, Until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. And Isaiah said in chapter 45, verse Verse 8, You heavens above, rain down my righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness flourish with it. I, the Lord, have created it. The Bible speaks specifically of two types of rain. And these rains mentioned in the Scripture refer to the blessings of God. Joel, chapter 2, verse 23. The prophet writes, Be glad, O people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for He has given you the autumn rains in righteousness. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. Ezekiel 34, verse 26. I will bless them and the places surrounding my hill. I will send them showers in season there will there will be showers of blessing you can read about famines in the bible famines are caused by lack of rain god would would withdraw his blessings from his people the first rain talked about is the earlier former rains these rains came toward the end of october and were very important and that it prepared the ground for tilling and marked the opening of agricultural season in those times. The other rains were known as the latter rains. They were even more important because they marked the beginning of the harvest and usually came in March or April. It also marked the beginning of a long, hot summer when the ground would dry up and the earth would crack. All of these rains had to happen prior to a season. First the early rains so that they could prepare to plant and the latter rains so they could prepare to harvest. If the rain didn't come, then the land wouldn't be fit for either. And that's the whole point of Hosea's lesson to God's people. If we will break the ground and sow the seed, God will draw near and water the crop. He will refresh the earth and a bountiful harvest will result. God guarantees it. I can't make rain, but I can prepare the soil and I can help sow seed and I can trust God to send His rain. God is great. God always keeps His promises and if we will do the things that break our hard hearts or allow Him to. And if we will sow righteousness, He promises to pour out His reign of revival and love upon us. We talked about, last week I talked about 2020. Julie mentioned that this, this morning. Oh, do we want to see God do a new thing among us? Would we love to see breakthrough? Break out. And if, if, we, if, if God is going to do that, we need to make sure that the soil of our hearts are prepared and ready for what He wants to do in us. Amen? Amen. See, a new crop requires rain in season. And if we will do the things to produce, this, to cultivate the soil of our hearts, God has promised to bring His rains. Reigns of righteousness. Reigns of blessing. It's an ongoing process, and we're eager for it, aren't we? Father, we come to you today as your people. Oh, you, you do not want us to be untilled soil. You don't want us to stay where we're at. Lord God, a journey with you is movement It's higher ground. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, except, Lord God, that's not always true in our lives. It's like we're spinning out, we're treading water, we're staying in the same place. Sometimes we're even losing ground, and oh God, that breaks your heart. You want us to move forward. You want to rain down righteousness on us. You want to do a good work in us. You want, to be a, you want us to be a people, a church body that's making a godly difference in our community. You want us to be a church body that is engaged in truly effective outreach. You want us to be a church body that worships you in spirit and in truth. You want to be a church body in which you are doing supernatural things among us. You want to be a church body on which you us to be a church body in which you can pour out your blessing. Lord, I pray that we'll want to be a church body that you can do all of those things in and through. And so Lord God, help us to be honest as we examine our hearts and ask your Holy Spirit to come. Do a work in us. If there are any of those things in our lives that harden the soil, we confess those things to you today. And we pray, Lord God, that you would remove those things from our lives and hearts as we say, Lord God, do your work in us. We, You want to invade and do things we don't want you to do, but, oh God, we give, give you permission. Oh, do a work. Break up that fallow, hard ground. Make it receptive to the work of your Holy Spirit to sowing, to seed planting, to produce a harvest of righteousness. We don't want a church that just exists. This comfortable little group of people that comes together every Sunday. We love knowing each other. We love caring for each other. But, oh God, we need to believe and desire and say there's always room for more because that's your call on what we're supposed to do. It's the Great Commission. If we're not seeing lives changed, souls saved, we're not doing our job. But it may be, begin with the fact that we need you to do a work in the soul of our lives so we're prepared for what you want to do among us and how you want to use each one of us. And Lord God, that applies to me. It applies to me too. So may we be open as, as we need to be to the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Oh God, if there be any wicked way in me, anything that's hardened the soil of my life, I confess that to you right now. I pray for your forgiveness. If we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and prepare a soil that you can do a work in. And if that's true across this church body, imagine, Lord God what you can do among us. And we were eager to see that. We are eager to see. We are not content with doing what we've always done and being what we've always been and staying right where we are now. But Lord God, to move forward in the power of your Holy Spirit and to be a people, God's people, a holy priesthood, a royal nation, a people that You are actively at work in. And Lord, that is seen in our lives, out in our community, beyond the walls of the church. Making a difference where we live for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in His name. Amen.